Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Dungeons Mastered Podcast. My name is Brian. And I'm Jeff. And uh, we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons today. Yes, we are. <laughs> Probably a little bit more about the, the game itself, the different aspects of the game from running it, playing it, role-playing, strategy, et cetera, et cetera. And we have some fun segment ideas along the way. Exactly. We're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and have fun with it. We're uh, going to have some creative ideas to to get some role play out there, get some character ideas, uh, talk a little little bit about mechanics. But f- for the most part, we like talking about the the kind of environment surrounding the table itself, all of the fun things that you can do that uh, aren't necessarily written in the rules, all the things that perhaps we have learned in our experience as players and dungeon masters that we want to deliver to you guys. Yeah, I'm so excited. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm actually I think you have a good idea. It's been what, a couple of weeks since we decided to do this and we just pulled the trigger, bought a ton of equipment, and here we are. Finally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just getting down in front of the microphone and starting to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. I know it's super scary. <laughs> hey listen i want to start with you and your background in the game both as a dungeon master and a player i'd be happy to talk about that yeah so i played a very small amount of dungeons and dragons back in college i think it was probably fourth edition but i don't remember i think i was playing a dwarf warrior of some sort anyway uh my big back into it which i adopted into being the dungeon master for this time because I was just a player when I was playing before was when my lovely wife uh, decided that she wanted to get a few friends together and ask me to be the dungeon master for our game. <laughs> and cornered out. Went, she's here with us today. Uh, yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> Eyes and ears on the set. And uh, it went terribly um, as all first dungeon master games do. <laughs> Um, but I had a ton of fun with it. I, I really enjoyed the character creation process uh, and ended up for a long time after that being the one creating the characters for everyone at the table because I didn't know any other people that were playing Dungeons & Dragons at the time. Uh, but continuing to go through that, continuing to run more games, um, I've just really fallen in love with it. I, I love the culture surrounding it. I love all of the cool things that the community puts out there for for making the game so much more than what you'll find in the books. And and I'm just I'm just completely in love. <laughs> so right now, you run how many games? Um I'm really only running the one game right now i was running another game all of my games are are in my own world although i've been doing taking a little bit of time to kind of build it as you do uh, i've used the pantheon from the forgotten realms for the most part um but created pretty much all my own cities and and done all that kind of stuff uh, and then in addition to that, I've been running a ton of one-shots lately. Um, in particular, uh, I've been making a bunch of them myself uh, and playtesting them with the uh, intent of putting them out online so that uh, they can be used by others and so that I can run them for doobies. I mean, that's such a cool thing to do. 
there's not a lot of one shots out there. No. Oh yeah. You'll you'll find a, a few of them on DM's Guild. And I've gone there a number of times for for homebrew resources in just in general. But I I, I really want to see um a bit more fun and flavor in what I'm finding in those one shots out there. And in particular, I just really like making them and putting my own twist on them because I know the one shots that are out there, it does require you to put your own twist on them anyway, but I'm, I'm kind of working on their original idea and then twisting it in whatever I want it to be eventually. Whereas I'd like to have it from the beginning and have it be entirely my own creation. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those huge upsides of, D&D is that no matter what you get into, you put your own flavor on it. Exactly. And I think that's, it's such an important thing for new dungeon masters to understand that what's written is not exactly what you have to do. And I think that's a perfect segue into talking about you and your dungeon master experience, particularly because you're working with a module at the moment, the Curse of Strahd module. So tell us a little bit about you and your games that you're running at the moment. Yeah, man. So when I was very young, I tried to get into the game, but none of my friends were really playing it. And, you know, semi-religious family. So it was hard to carve out that space that you can do now as an adult when I don't care what they think. (laughs) And so after getting sucked in again with Critical Role, and Stranger Things, and all these things that are really bringing this community back to light and together again, I said, you know what, this is awesome. And I got a couple of friends together that felt the same way. And we grabbed the starter set. And the first game was awful. (laughs) Just terrible. You know, it was one of those experiences where I'm sitting here reading through the book on where we're supposed to go. And, you know, the players just kind of go wherever they feel like. And so you have to have a certain level of preparation that I didn't understand yet. And so a lot of time was just, okay, where do we need to go? Where, do, where is this in the book? How am I supposed to answer this? And, uh, you know, I think you learn real fast that they don't put that stuff in there for you. You have to kind of understand it a little bit on your own and then figure it out for yourself. Add a little bit of yourself in there. Exactly. Taking the five minutes to read about the town that you've just arrived to in the middle of the adventure can be a little bit jarring for the adventurers, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and for you as well. I mean, <laughs> nothing like suddenly needing to just like understand a whole place. Right. You know, and, you know, a little tip for those that get stuck in that uh, position is, you know, just take a short break. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For a while, I was making it almost mandatory that we had a 10 to 15 break a 10 10 to 15 minute break in the middle of my sessions just because I needed a moment to process what was going on to read up you know maybe prepare improvise um <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> I think we took that moment in one of your recent games when we t- went to go see Lady Fiona in uh in the Curse of Strahd <laughs> yeah so you know, I'm not going to talk too much about details in that because I know it can be a little spoiler. Right. Spoiler alerts. Yes. But there was an NPC in one of the major towns that the party just ignored entirely for months. And then all of a sudden, 
And they're like, hey, we should go talk to this person. And I went, <laughs> shoot. I don't remember anything. So we took a short break and I read through them a little bit. And I, and I had before this, the, you know, the, the game had started. So I knew the character, but I had to refresh myself. I had to really get into understanding what she would want to do and how she would handle you guys because there's a lot of nuance to that and that particular module. So that was uh, that was great. And I think it felt pretty fluid when you guys got there. Definitely. Yeah. And especially because when we got there, the original intent for her was completely out the window and we had to kind of figure out we, I guess more you had to figure out how we were going to use her in the story because I don't, I don't think that's how she was intended to be used in the first place. But no, not even close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the The way that you guys have spent time around this city has been probably a little longer than you normally would. You've gone through a lot of the special events that have there, but we're still creating story there, and we're still doing things that are sort of out of the module. And I'm not about to say, no, you guys don't need to be here anymore. Move on. It's like, let's see what you guys do. We've done enough of this to where we can sort of improv things. And I can think about it afterwards and see where I want to go with it. And that's what's a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, that story that we're telling is going to be so much different than somebody else's Curse of Strahd experience. Exactly. Which is the reason why my level of Brittany wants to, after we're done with the adventure, go listen to the Chris Perkins uh, run of Curse of Strahd to see how someone else does it. Because that's the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons is that no one party is going to run the same adventure the same way. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, so we talked about the modules, you know, my my experience outside of the starter set was to start my own world as well. I think a lot of people do. But when you get to run the modules, you get to see the way that other adventures are written and designed and how some monsters are designed. And I really love the way the storytelling is in Barovia. We were just talking before we recorded today that I wasn't super stoked on how they decided, uh, designed the encounters. You know, we've been telling this really dark story and really building up a lot of tension. And then you guys get into a fight and blow it out of the water right and it's their their way to handle it has been throw more stuff at you guys throw more stuff throw more stuff well when you have an aoe in the party it changes (laughs) that a lot so i'm glad that we went back to the module after starting my own world because it's given me the opportunity like you said to flesh your world out a little bit more learn how other modules and adventures are created and then take those pieces and put them back into your story. Yeah, I I find inspiration from from so many places. I'm on three or four different subreddits where they're posting these these big long lists of of quirks about towns and uh, and weird things a beholder would do with his free time and and all of these fun little things. And I I just love getting getting the moment to let the inspiration come to me to to make a a really interesting character, a really interesting world. Um, and in particular, one of the, one of the favorite places I have to gain inspiration is from my players themselves. I, I think it was, yeah, it was you. And I've, I've had a, 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 a few other people get a little bit involved in that part of the story, but needing to invent 
something for your character backstory. Um, it was a war in particular. Um, mm-hmm. as just like it, that was honestly like the catalyst for me figuring out who the big bad really is in the background and and where the story is eventually going to go. I, I had the framework and I know what you guys are going to be fighting and that there's eventually someone at the end, but uh, p- being put in that position where, you know, someone wants a war and wants to play a role in that. And uh, <laughs> it, I, I just love it. It, it. Getting to to watch movies and, and get inspired from other pop pieces of popular media. Uh, I I just love the whole thing, making a, a whole big story all myself, and uh, and getting to play in it with with people that enjoy walking around in it. I mean, there was one thing that I think that I latched on to when it came to creating your own worlds or creating these stories for the players to be a part of is that the game is a collaborative storytelling experience, and so I like the idea of saying, "Hey, listen, you're making a new character." I get the idea of what you want to do with this character. Make a backstory. Make a place. Maybe don't give a name to it yet because I might find a way that it fits in the existing world or I might have to create something totally new. But by giving you the reins to just go for it, now I have the opportunity to do something really cool with that. And hey, I didn't have to think it all up myself. Right. (laughs) Outsourcing your story building to your players. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think kind of an important and fun piece of this whole story is uh, how we met and how we started kind of doing this together. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll let you tell the story. How about we met? Yeah. So it was um, it was the first proper campaign that I ran and uh, it's been rebooted. The the one that I'm currently running is a reboot of that. Uh, But at the time, I had been just trying to to start building a world, and I really only had like a forest and a town at the time. And I had posted up on on my cubicle at work that I was looking for Dungeons and Dragons players to come join me. And in the process of starting to talk to my coworkers and everything, I ended up uh, hearing from your wife um, that herself and her husband you were interested in coming to play a game and you came in what was what was the character that you were playing at the time it was probably a wizard right (laughs) it wasn't a wizard it was a sorcerer (laughs) so close uh yeah so i was i was running games right and i wanted the opportunity to play in one it's Mm -hmm. a whole different experience and my wife said well hey my coworker is running a game do you want to go so I said, yeah, let's go for it. So I made a a, a half-elf sorcerer. Ah, that's right. That's right. And I distinctly remember you had this squire that uh, was coming <laughs> to tell us something. What was his name? It was, um, oh, it was a play on, on Dungeon Master. I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. It was, uh, oh, I'd have to look in my notes to, oh, we, yeah. <laughs> D emissary. That's right. Yeah, that's right. D E E space emissary. <laughs> it's, I very distinctly remember that he used it as like a plot device to move the story along. Yep. And he was an NPC following us around. And you had intended to have him be snatched up by a huge bird and, and yep. killed. <laughs> and uh, myself and our arcane archer mm-hmm. destroyed the bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lit him up. 
Let's say I have this like, oh man, I gotta run this guy still. Yeah, I had I had pictured him getting snatched up, taken away, and then you'd probably find him hanging out in a rock nest or, or something else like that <laughs> later on when when I needed another NPC to help drive the the story along again. <laughs> that just goes to the show. Uh, the best laid plans do not survive the party. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So I know that we'll get into our history and our background more in future episodes. Indeed. But I know we wanted to move into our first segment on our yeah. first podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't steal this idea from another podcast that I was listening to. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a mock draft, uh, just like a lot of folks do in, you know, the sports world and, mm-hmm. and you know, especially with football and basketball and doing the mock draft. So is it um, fantasy, fantasy sports? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly how you put it. So our mock draft today mm-hmm. is going to be for monsters. So we're going to draft the, the the perfect monster party in our minds. We're going to take those drafts. We're going to put them on our social media, probably Twitter at first, <laughs> and allow the audience to vote for them. Indeed. Now, I imagine we're going to keep it up for a little while since, you know, I don't know how big our audience is yet. Right. <laughs> we'll but uh, so so here's here's how this is going to go. We're going to make five picks. Whoever goes first will then go second the next round. So if I go first, you'll go. Right. Then you'll go first in the next round. I'll go. And it kind of goes like a snake. Whenever something's picked, it's taken off the board. So if I pick something, you can't pick it. If you pick something, I can't pick it. I think we decided that uh, variants count in the like major creatures. So if you have a spell casting variant of something, you can't choose the non spell casting variant of that creature. Indeed. Mind flayer means mind flayer. Arcanist is off the table. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, we were talking about this the other day and we decided that, you know, rather than flip a coin that we would need the most dungeons and dragon way of doing this. And we're going to roll initiative. Hell yeah. Do it. Let's see what you get. Let's see. I rolled right, a 20 right. earlier. The, yeah, on the test. On the test. Oh, no. You got a 17. You're going 17. first. I got a, yeah. I got a nine. It's not me. So uh, for the first pick. The first in pick. In the Monsters Fantasy Draft in the goes to. Fantasy Draft. Yes. So, so you'll note in my choices here that there's a bit of an escalation in power levels starting really, really low because I wanted to really adopt a theme for how my team works and and kind of work it into how you would kind of encounter them in the first place. So perhaps a, a strange choice, but my very first choice is Crawling Claw. And in particular, this is a Crawling Claw that you would find wandering about, taking care of some house business, um, uh, perhaps cleaning, doing some dishes, um, and performing tasks around an abandoned house. What that means, where that crawling claw came from, who summoned it, we'll find out later on. So is this like thing from the Adams family? 
<laughs> Basically, yeah. Well, is Thing the one with the hair? No, Cousin It's the one with the hair. Cousin It is that. Thing yes. Is the so hand. this is yes. This is yes. Crawling Claw is a is a severed hand. I remember reading the monster manual description. Is about it's typically the hand that's cut off of uh, thieves um, when they're caught stealing, um, and then brought back to uh, to purpose by a magic user of some sort. All right. That All right. Might be a hand. Right. <laughs> okay. I am not going to start with the lowest <laughs> CR creature I can find. And I'm going to start. Oh, you're trying with... to reserve your draft pick so that I don't steal it later on. I see. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't care about that. I just want I want this particular creature because they're my absolute favorite. And the reason that they're my favorite is because they are highly intelligent. They have the opportunity to plan for the party. Uh-oh. And uh yeah, well. So my first pick in this draft is going to be the Lich, <laughs> which you probably saw coming. Yeah. You know, we'll get into this over time, I'm sure, but I love wizards. And uh, I know. I know. <laughs> so the opportunity to have a creature that is highly intelligent, that can plan, that can put these things in place, that's also insanely powerful is such a great thing. And when you look at the stat block, you see this this creature that can pretty easily be destroyed by something that's fighting it at that level in like one round, right? Like a good fighter at that level can good rolls will kill it. But that fighter is never going to get the chance to get a jump on the lich. They're going to have all these things in place, all these contingencies, all these powerful spells, all traps, minions, whatever it may be, and uh I love it. Indeed, the Lich is a um, a devious planner, a manipulator, and has a contingency for everything, especially <laughs> the first one they'd probably thought of, the fighter running in head first. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole reason to be prepared. They know that they're not physically strong. Exactly. So. All right. So on to you again, having a uh, pick it. second. So. My next pick is probably not going to be a surprise either. And I'll be honest, pretty much everything I pick is going to be spellcaster variant because nothing is scarier than a creature that's already scary and then has spells. So my second pick is going to be the spellcasting variant of the green dragon. Ooh, okay, okay. So what book is that from? Monster Manual. Oh, okay. Well, there. I mean, they can all cast spells once they get... Do Wormlings get spells? I forget. Uh, I don't think so. I think, okay. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Of course, right? yes. They're still smart enough. <laughs> but I figured we were going um, raw on this first draft anyway. Oh, it's totally raw. Okay. It's in there. Read your dragons. <laughs> I do, but I thought I'd remembered that all of the dragons from Wormling, Wormling to Ancient all had at least a little bit of spell casting and then there wasn't necessarily like a variant that would give you that spell casting. Sure. There is. Yeah, there yeah. is. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I do we, need to read a little bit. I surprisingly for Dungeons and Dragons use very few dragons and only slightly less dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot less dungeons actually. Yeah. Uh now I 
I'm a huge fan of dragons. Obviously, in this setting, it's kind of, you know, there's so many dragons to use. But I have to say, being able to use a couple of different types of dragons myself, a lot of times the lower level dragons are not very smart. Or they're super uh, egotistical, and so they kind of don't use the intelligence that they have. And for those listeners that are Critical Role fans, without getting into any spoilers, there was one particular enemy that looked like they were going to be a lot weaker than the enemies that they were fighting. It was a green dragon. And when they ended up fighting this dragon, it was one of the hardest fights they ever had. And a lot of it had to do with how smart she was, how she had planned against them. You know, there's a theme here. <laughs> and then some of her spellcasting ability made it just so crazy. So that's my second pick, Green Dragon. All right. Well, I'm seeing if we were to have an all-out brawl between the two that perhaps my team wouldn't win. I expected that, but I went for a theme, so we'll see. And continuing with the theme of perhaps this uh, team that you would encounter. So after seeing the crawling claw walking around an abandoned hask, perhaps you would find in a in a cellar that you expected to be quite a bit colder, uh, being that far down underground, you would find it a bit warmer. And in particular, you'd see some activity from from the middle of the room, a, a lit little creature walking around. You would identify a Megman, and he would be uh, looking for his master, looking around and wondering where, where his master went, uh, and wanting to burn things and not having any direction to do so. <laughs> so my, my second pick is Megman. Uh, and from the magic that conjured him, I think you have a pretty good idea of the direction that I'm going. And we'll, I, I have a plan since you picked the lich. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had a feeling that might go at some point. So I yeah. put it real high on my list. Yep. I might revise my strategy for the next, uh, the next draft. <laughs> hey, well, first episode, first draft. Indeed. Indeed. And listen, it doesn't have to be the most powerful, right? They're not going head to head. Exactly. So, some folks really like themed setups. So you never know. You might win. Cast your votes for Jeffrey on social media for <laughs> for Team Crawling Claw, Magman, and Mordica. Well, you are next on the list anyway. So with mm-hmm. your third prick. <laughs> so perhaps uh, the Magman... Uh, after being pressed significantly enough, would give you the location um, of where he last saw his master. And along the way, uh, perhaps passing some magical traps, you would find yet another block in your way with a magically conjured and possessed stone golem. Pick number three. Big bad, protects all your secrets. Solid choice. I like it. I had another thought that you may have been going towards there, which is a staple creature. We'll yeah. see if you go there. Yeah. I'm real curious it, now. It might it might have been my alternate for one of these. We'll we'll figure okay. out. We'll find out. All right, all right, all right. Uh continuing my theme of overpowered enemies. <laughs> I sort of had two choices here. Um both of them I I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um and in fact, you know what? I'm gonna hold on to those and see if they're still there. Because I have another one that I don't think you ever would have picked. 
and uh, it's part of a series of creatures that are part of the monster manual. But mm-hmm. this particular one's actually from uh, Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes. Ah, uh, I do not own that book yet, so. It's a sweet book. Yes. It's I, a real sweet book. It's on my list. <laughs> yeah. So this particular creature is part of an overall uh, society that I fell in love with. And a lot of this kind of stems back from my EverQuest days where <laughs> I am, and we've talked about this, I am obsessed with dark elves. Obsessed. <laughs> and so when I finally started reading the Drist series, and started seeing drow society and how it functioned and really going, this is sweet. <laughs> this is really cool. <laughs> I want to I wanna put a party down here sometime and see how that goes. So my next pick is going to be the drow matron mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very now, powerful. <laughs> so scary. And I'm so happy that they actually made that a creature in Tome of Foes, because I was looking through the different books and it was like, okay, I'm going to have to make this up. And so now we actually have stat blocks and we have this creature created. And it's such a cool, cool creature because when you understand the whole background of the drow and how powerful they are for each house, and you have a spell casting ability, which you know I love, and then you have the uh, the whole priestess piece where they have their, their crazy snakehead whip mace flail thing. Yeah, I just love that creature, and I love all things evil. So that's where we are there. <laughs> Very nice pick. So I guess the question that I have for myself, and I, I'm the only one that can answer this question mm-hmm. as we start the next round with me, is do I stick with the Underdark or do I go with a creature that I'm very familiar with? <laughs> and I that think depends. I'm going to have to go. I think with your... Uh, choice of the green dragon it's definitely not one particular theme besides the you know powerful spellcasters so i'd evil say evil spellcasters that's up to you but <laughs> evil super spell. smart yes so with my next pick i'm going to use a creature that i this this started our next campaign because we were both developing these one shots and I'd come up with the idea of like, let's go with a Van Helsing one shot and let's do a vampire hunt. And we did this vampire hunt and I went, vampires are rad, especially yeah. in this universe. And you know what? There's totally a module based around a vampire. So my next pick is going to be the vampire. And you could go with the spell casting variant, which Strahd is, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is so much fun. And I just, I love the creature itself. I love the whole life draining ability that they have, the charm. And then when you turn it into a creature like Strahd, that, you know, this is not really a spoiler. Strahd shows up all over the place in the story. Very, very cool thing to put in front of a party that's not ready to fight him. Especially (laughs) if he's not fighting. He's just showing his face. That charm, the cunning, and the intelligence, it's just such a great creature for me. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun seeing Strahd show up when he does. His power is undeniable, as uh, <laughs> Omniel experienced directly. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a completely different character now. Indeed, yeah. Coming <laughs> back from the dead does that to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
So continuing with my theme. Number four uh, for you. With number four. Right. So I do four and five. And have you done all five now? Yeah. No, I just so you have four. one more. So let's do this. All right. You do your fourth. Okay. We'll take a quick pause. Okay. To recount what our list is mm-hmm. for each of mm-hmm. us. Then you'll go for your last pick and I'll go for mine. Sounds like a plan. So I hope it's not infringing on the same territory because this one's actually alive versus yours being dead. Uh, but I figured the master that's involved in all of this, yeah, maybe could have, might have been the lich in the first, but I prepared alternates, of course, would be the uh, the archmage. Just good choice. Just one one tier below, uh, a a very powerful spellcaster that uh, sequesters himself in in his tower, uh, studies great magics, has a lot of the same kind of things that the lich has to offer for uh, creating all these plans, creating all these defenses, um, having contingencies for for everything, uh, but without the uh, the extra step, he he'd probably get there eventually. Probably get there eventually. You know, I think the nice part about that is that you are not inherently evil. Right. So you can go a lot different directions with that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think the cool part about that particular kind of spellcaster is that they can have the same goal. It could be, I, I want to live forever. There's different ways to do it. Lichdom is one of them. But uh, you have so many different ways to go, whereas the lich is just evil. Exactly. That's all you get. <laughs> okay. And- with the it. Archmage in particular, uh, playing on the narrative that I have going here, this would be the introduction to the adventurers to see the kind of crazed nature of this Archmage. I would be playing him definitely evil, uh, a little bit chaotic in in the way that he uh, approaches his his fortress and his, his studies and, and all of that. And in particular, adopting a magman as his little buddy, uh, the chaotic nature between the two, I, I think would complement very greatly, which will play into my, my final pick. Love it. I, I'm actually super excited to hear what your next pick is. <laughs> so with the recap, your list is the crawling claw. Yep. The magman, mm-hmm. a stone golem and an arch mage. Indeed. I've only needed to pull one alternate out for that. That's awesome. Uh, And I'm super happy that you didn't have a a similar look to the list like I did. You know, uh, definitely brings a lot more to the table. And I like the whole theme of the the wizard tower. You're just kind of slowly moving up the wizard tower. So, you know, what's the last one? (laughs) Uh, And, you know, my my list is really just powerful, intelligent creatures. Indeed. Um, And I just, to me... It's so much fun as a dungeon master because you get to pit yourself tactically against the party and you get to play something smart, which I like to do, especially because I love wizards so much. Uh, And so with my list, so far, we have the Lich, the Green Dragon, can be a spellcasting variant, it's fine, the Drow Machen Mother, and the Vampire, the (laughs) Bompire. And I'm super excited to see what your fifth pick is because if even these four came together somehow got along long enough to get stuff done (laughs) they would be unstoppable yeah and uh now i'm really thinking do i want to go with an obvious powerful choice or something a little bit more army style so Mm -hmm. a commander to unify them perhaps (laughs) maybe maybe just maybe but you're first but i am first okay so 
after the party finishes off the Archmage, uh, whether it's by convincing him to be less crazy or eliminating him one way or the other, they find out the new friend who uh, the Archmage has made, who has pushed out the his little Magman buddy as uh, as the guy he talks to has a, all this chaotic energy directed towards. And as the Archmage either falls or joins the party, out from the shadows comes a death slot. <laughs> I love the chaotic nature of Limbo and the slods that come out of it. Ugh. They were the premise of of the final big bads in one of my other campaigns, and I would really love to run more of them because I just got to sprinkle in a few greens and a couple of blues um, in that one campaign. I did not see that coming from a mile <laughs> away, and I love it. I love it so much. That's That's one of those creature types that I haven't spent a lot of time even looking into. Yeah, they're really interesting. Um, in particular, I don't know if you watch uh, some of those like monster ecology videos on YouTube where they talk about the the kind of stuff beyond the monster manual kind of stuff. But yeah, in particular, hearing the the story of how they came to be in limbo and um, and the chaotic energies that they work with, uh, the reproductive cycle is fucking wild, and. <laughs> And and all of these uh, these other little things about their nature and their uh, their chaotic energies that they bring to the table they're just such cool creatures to me and the unknown nature of these levels that they go up in uh, the the way that they evolve within their own species is just oh it's so cool I want to run so many more of them they're s- such fun monsters sounds like a good one shot indeed might do that okay okay okay. So I got my last one here. Yes. And since you literally picked nothing off my list, <laughs> I've got all these options. And uh, I'm so torn between a couple of them because I, I want to I wanna have another creature that's maybe not as powerful, but still has something to give to this. So I'm actually going to go with a little lower seer. And I'm kind of leaning between two creatures. And I think I'm going to go with one because it's a spellcaster. Yeah. And because it was my first experience with getting to lob a fireball at the party. (laughs) And I'm going to go with the flame skull. Ooh. Now, any of you have played the starter set know that there's a certain part in there where there's a flame skull that you have to fight. Mm Nothing really spoilery. In my particular instance, when I first got to use it, the party was all in a small room, like lined up together. The, uh, <laughs> Perfect. I mean, the fighter was nearly dead because he had neglected to mention to the rest of the party that he had like one hit point and just ran in anyway. <laughs> and I went first and I look and I see fireball on the list of spells that the flame skull can cast and I look at the table and I see everybody all close together and we're in like the last session or two of this campaign and we know we're going to end it to start something completely new so I'm like you know what you guys are getting fireballed yeah. right now <laughs> and it was everything I hoped it was going to be <laughs> and just the fact that those creatures like yeah, they're pretty powerful spellcasters for the CR that they are. Yeah. And if you kill them and don't know how to actually kill them, they'll pop back up. 
and I love stuff that you just like you can't just kill by killing it. You have to pay attention to very specific things about it. And uh it's so much fun. Definitely. And it's funny that you say that as your last pick because that's literally the first oh well the lich, of course. But that was actually one of my alternates as well. I figured that would be a good <laughs> a good creation of the Archmage or the Lich when that was the original choice, uh, to be floating around uh his fortress. That was gonna be perhaps a alternate for Magman or Carl and Claw. Anyway. I love it. I I legitimately thought when you were going with the stone golem that one of the options there was going to be something like the gelatinous cube. Mm. You know, I mean, you think, think about if you've got an adventuring partner trying to move through your wizard tower and the gelatinous cube can really wreak havoc. Kind of weaken <laughs> everybody up. Literally about a tower, very close quarter space in which the gelatinous cube is blocking your entire path. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, to recap, Jeff's list, the Crawling Claw, the Megman, Stone Golem, the Archmage, and the Death Slod. My list, the Lich, the Green Dragon, the Drow Matron Mother, a Vampire, and capping it off with the Flame Skull. So we're going to put that list up on Twitter and give everybody the opportunity for a little while to vote on their favorite list. And uh, the prize will be something arbitrary that means nothing. <laughs> Not until we get a lot more votes. So uh, tell your friends. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're not going to give each other super great prizes for oh, winning well. a vote for a silly draft. Oh, I suppose the the prize would go to us and not our fans that were so gracious in voting for us for. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe uh, advantage on the initiative check. <laughs> We gotta. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's uh let's go to uh, Burger King. <laughs> get some of their like paper crowns. Yes, and alter it to be the king of the draft. Yes. <laughs> so n- not only do you get a sweet crown, but the audience gets to see you with a sweet crown. Yes, I love it. So we have one last segment. Yes, I'm do. really interested to see where this goes. Because it can be awesome or it can be extra bad. And I think either way, the listeners win. (laughs) So we talked a lot about the sort of segments that we wanted to do and how we wanted this to be a little bit more free form. But to really talk about some of the skills that dungeon masters need to build to be really, really good. And a lot of those things are kind of soft skills. They're not these things that you can just read about, really inform yourself, and then turn around and be good at. And one of those skills, and everybody that's a great dungeon master talks about this, is improv. It's the whole ability to come up with stuff off the fly and to play with your party in such a way that you're not telling them, no, you can't do this. It might be no, but... And now you're giving me great ideas for things that I can put <laughs> later, or it's it's yes and. And I'm sure a lot of people that are into this game have heard that before. And Indeed. I'll tell you, not only is it a great skill for this game, but it's a great skill in general. And a lot of the sort of quick thinking that happens from improv, I've been able to use in, in my career, regular old conversations, 
And uh, so it's a lot of fun. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend maybe just a couple minutes, especially since I think we've gone over both of our segments. Oh, yeah. We're just going to improv a story yep. right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Going to play the yes and game. The yes and game. <laughs> and I'm going to make you start. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's do this. So I'll give you some framing. Okay. I'll let you start Mm -hmm. and we'll Mm -hmm. go from there. Okay. And the goal is not necessarily going to be to come up with a like super great cohesive story. Like we're just going to have fun with it. We're just going to screw around with it. So let's do this. Start of an adventure. Yes. Let's try to not be in a tavern because every adventure starts in a tavern or around a campfire. Mm-hmm. And something happens. A group of people meet. They address that something. And we'll see where it goes. All right. So I'll start by painting the scene. We are not starting in a tavern. We are not starting in front of a campfire. Uh, we are starting immediately after the adventurers upon attempting to carefully traverse the caverns of a uh, long-lost mine that is cl- uh, claimed to have diamonds galore uh, hanging on every wall, ready for the picking, uh, they have happened to slide down uh, a, a fast-running river that they didn't notice under the underbrush that has grown over the area in which the miners used to walk regularly. So they've slipped down Slip down this slide. Where do they pop out? Well, along that slide. Yes. They are grabbing and scraping and trying to find ways to keep themselves from flowing down this river. They're trying to stop. They're trying to pull themselves out. But every bit of the sides of this are smooth, almost unnaturally smooth. And so there's no place for anybody to grab or uh, gain purchase. I hate using that word. (laughs) And they slip and they slide and they move and suddenly they shoot out of this opening over a large pool of what looks like water. They fly through the air for a moment and they come crashing down right before they hit the water. They stop floating in the air. Uh, Yes. And (laughs) (laughs) yes, yes. And it turns out. That there was, of course, in the course of them flying down the chute and and screaming and trying to uh, grab onto the edges. And, of course, the shock of them flying out into the open air. uh, They made quite a ruckus and were able to get the attention of a furbolg that is hanging out in the cave and uh, looking to keep the creatures that dwell within it uh, from... Uh, running too rampant, uh, keeping the incursion of civilization from from reaching this cave that has been readopted by nature. So, the Firbolg has cast Featherfall on them from uh, from a short distance away, and they see him standing at the edge of the water, um, and he beckons them to come towards him. And as they they walk in and they see this figure standing in front of them sort of tathered clothing. They see what looks like a broom. 
And he beckons them closer. He goes, hey, guys. You guys are making, like, a lot of noise in this place. And, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to keep this place nice and clean and quiet. You know, it's it's like a senior center. They really don't. They really don't like the noise. Can you guys chill it out? At the moment that he finishes his thought, the adventurers begin to hear um, footsteps from from around the corner. And important to note about these footsteps is that they sound fairly light, as if they're from fairly small creatures. But there's also the sound, in addition to the footsteps, of of wood being smacked against the stone as as the creatures are moving. And as the sounds get closer, the adventurers now working their way back to the uh, to the to the edge of this water so that they're with this fur bulk, they see a group of no less than five goblins, all withered, old, and carrying walking sticks. The the seniors that were described by the fur bulk. And they say Janitor What's with all the ruckus? And he sort of turns to them in a low voice. Drops his head. Yeah, I was trying to get rid of them. They just kind of came in here screaming. I don't really know why. And the party at this point is looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. They they think that they're looking for diamonds and treasures. And they come into an old folk goblin home. It's a very strange experience. And they sort of brush it off and try to make their way through the caverns a little bit further, sort of ignoring everything that's happening around them. They got diamonds on the mind and the old folks kind of look at them funny and start to follow them slowly. Yes. And as they're following them, uh, they begin to give uh, more or less warning stories as uh, as they're moving along talking about the the activity that used to be in the cave and and the the young whippersnappers that used to cause quite a mess in here and they keep on talking a little bit about how it was finally good that he got rid of them as they're moving along they begin to see the glimmer of diamonds finally and as they run towards this glimmer they see a massive but hunched figure sitting in the middle of these diamonds uh, coating both the walls of this tunnel and as they look upon this figure turns to the right and they see glowing red eyes in the cave and do you they see one set of turning glowing red eyes and another set of glowing blue eyes and this large creature that faces them in this cavern as a two-headed ogre. <laughs> One of the faces is, is sort of slumped, obviously the less smart of the two. Mm-hmm. And the other one's got this very like air of confidence on its face and it sort of lumbers towards the party. <laughs> Oh, hello there. 
What brings you here? It is at this the point the adventurers, uh, having nothing in their mind but but these diamonds, choose to instead attack the ogre with no recourse for <laughs> for the pleasantries that the ogre has shown to them. <laughs> An incredible battle breaks out between a furball janitor, several over-the-hill goblins, <laughs> and a very polite two-headed ogre. <laughs> to which the murder hobo party has shown zero respect. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> and after the battle clears, only one of the party, remember, remains. And all the old goblins are still there. And as the creature remains there, they, they reach up and finally grasp one of the diamonds that they've been yearning for for so long. But as they do, they feel a magical energy course into them, their body changing, shrinking into a green, pointed nose creature. And in the glimmer, the reflection of the diamond, they see a withered goblin face looking back at them. Fantastic. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I love it. So, very legitimately, I want to mention that we practice none of that. And I, yeah. I hope I hope that that shows. Like, I don't want it to seem like it's something polished. I really want to see the struggle that both of us had trying to come up with something. And listen, for those of you out there that want to try doing stuff like this, the really important piece is, is that you're listening to the other person. Yes. You're understanding where they're coming from so that you have some place to go to that makes a lot of sense. So I think we're coming close to the wrap up here. Uh, yeah. Jeff, is anything that you wanted to announce before we go? No, I, um, I'm just excited to see what we get for, for people that are interested in voting on, on Twitter and, and social media in general. Um, I'm really excited to engage with you guys online, uh, hear what you have to say about what we're doing here. Uh, I'm just really excited to start talking to all y'all. <laughs> That's it, man. So very soon, we're going to have all of our social media platforms up. Most of them are right now. We're just working on the, the content. Pretty much everything is at Dungeons Mastered. And man, I'm really excited to uh, to do more of this. It's a lot of fun. Me too. I'm Yeah, this is super fun. I can't wait to think up some more segment ideas and, and keep on talking about Dungeons and Dragons. That's what it's all about. That's what I'm talking about. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And thanks again for listening to the first episode of the Dungeons Mastered podcast. See you next time. See you next time.